Hey, friends. It's good to see you again. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. Let's Let's start start the show. Okay, the show started. Welcome. It's, it almost sounds like it might be a suggestion. Like, do you Sh- want to start the show? Should we? Should we? Start and I think, the I show? Think, I think we shall. We shall. We shall. We will, we will start the show. We okay. got to hang out a little bit today, you and I, down in the, the studio. And I, I just wanted to real quick just say we put more stuff up on Patreon. Oh, yeah. So if you're a Patreon member, um, go check it out. Hopefully you got a little um, notification that said, hey, there's something going on on the Patreon or something. Yeah, and if you didn't get that notification, that means you need to sign up for our Patreon. Yeah, you're not you're not getting the full entertainment value that you could be getting. Just I mean, listening to our voices is soothing and awesome, and I know you love it. But there could be so much more. There could be so much more. <laughs> so much more. <laughs> okay, so this is a cool episode. We got a guest, a special guest, and for the first time ever, we're get, we're digging into local politics and the local election stuff that's happening. I got a ballot in the mail. You probably got a ballot in the mail. As a bad I citizen, so. I have not opened it yet, but I shall tonight after I've just lit a fire did, under myself. Well, it was a day or two ago. Within the last, well, today's mm-hmm. Tuesday, so it must have been either Friday or yesterday. Man, I don't know if I got it. Check for your ballots yeah, there. I'm going to have to check. I'm going to have to check. Duty. But we mentioned several podcasts ago in multiple different podcasts how much we've wanted to get involved and know more about local politics, Whew. you know, all, but it's been a while. And we it's did been a while. And I did it. I did exactly zero. Well, you said on the podcast, this is really exciting right now, but I'm probably going to do the same thing I've always done, which is say, I'm going to do a bunch and not do it. You said, you've literally said that. I'm an honest, good person. <laughs> yeah. So you like followed through <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> okay. But I want to uh, shout out real quick to uh, Jasmine, uh, Jasmine Taylor, Jasmine also, because <laughs> Oh, is it Jasmine Taylor or Jasmine Cassandra? Anyway, Jasmine knows who she is. So thank you for um, shouting out to me and saying, hey, I've got an idea for your podcast. Um, and it had to do with local politics. So awesome. You know, thanks again for that. So now I, I did reach out to Michelle and is it Levine? <laughs> yes. Welcome, Michelle Levine, who is currently running uh, to become a judge in our fair city. So. Brian, how does that strike you when I say that? What, do you, what is the first thing that you just was like, I wonder, I wonder how this is going to Okay, be. well, we've been talking about this for a little bit, so I'm going to say like how it how it presented to me when you presented it to me. I was me. like, we should talk to this person. Okay. I was scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just okay. have to say, because like, like I have friends that are lawyers. Um, okay. I've, I've been in court as my six-year history of uh, fostering children. You go to court mm-hmm. uh, for different, differing reasons. Uh, the first time I was in court since uh, juvenile court, um, the first time I was in court. Oh, you yourself. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was in court a little bit before 18. Okay. Um, okay. For differing things we shan't bring up right now in front of the the... Lovely, <laughs> but later, yes, we gotta talk about that. Yeah, later, we can. Um, but but the first time I was back in court uh, since juvenile court was um, our first foster daughter had her um, her parents had their parental rights 
uh, terminated. 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 I was going to say removed. Terminated. Ooh. And they, they were residents of Texas. And, like, I'm not going to get into the whole story because it's her story to tell, not mine. Okay. But, like, that was my first time back in. And that's oh. it's not like a, a glorious day. Right. Okay. For, what, for it, sure. what it means for foster parents is, like, hey, this child is now available for adoption. Oh. What it means for everyone else besides the foster parents is like this family is now no longer and isn't going to be. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a sad day. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, aside from that, like I I was, I was nervous, scared is the wrong word. I'm not, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared, (laughs) but just, just that like we at least sound knowledgeable enough. I know that like lawyers and judges, like they go to a lot more school than I, it did take me eight years to get my four year degree, but they go to a lot more school than me. You know, I see what you mean. Uh, lawyers, I would say on on the regular, I, I just noticed that across the board they have really good vocabularies. Right. They just talk right. with such nice. And so I'm like, mm. Joe's just going to want to replace me. He's going to oh, want for a, this? New, yeah, a new podcast wow. partner that, that is more eloquent in their wordsings. I, I don't need you to be anymore. <laughs> you, you, are, you are erudite enough, my friend. Oh, wow. I have to Google that now. Hold on. <laughs> probably making fun of me, and I don't even know. Mm, that's a good thing. But what, what were what were your thoughts as you pursued this? Well, I was a little nervous, too. I was like, ooh, this person was a judge. And then when I learned um, that some of the things that happened to, to you, Michelle, um, I was like, whoa, this, this, I've read about you in the news. And so I was like, wow, that, okay. I, I How often do you get a chance to, um, to, to, to maybe talk to one of these people that you read about and right. and i was i was like okay well i don't know how this is gonna go but you were really nice i just reached out and she was like yeah i'd be happy to talk and um share my story and and, and you know I, I am running for office so talking about myself and the good things that people might want to know couldn't hurt so um thank you for coming um and if you wouldn't mind could you give us a little um tiny little bio about where you kind of grew up and what brought you here to Great Falls and just get us started and getting to know you. So just a quick segue. Um, I think that law school kind of warps people's brains and then we spend time recovering from that. So yeah. Uh, So I grew up in Livingston, Montana. I would like to say it's windier than Great Falls. Mm. My husband's from Great Falls. So he, of course, did not believe me until he came to visit. And then he was like, you win. You win. But I, yeah. It was like, you know, it's not real wind until it blows away your trampoline or derails trains and blows Whoa. over semis. Then it's real wind. Right. And wow. when they shut down the interstate, okay, then it's real wind. Right. So, Whoa. <laughs> so. My, my grandparent, great-grandparents homesteaded in Livingston. So we spent time over there. And I absolutely agree. As someone that's been living in Great Falls yeah. for like a dozen years, Livingston's worse. <laughs> and there's places up on the High Line that are worse as well. Agreed. Uh, Browning and some of those areas, oh, yes. they're mm-hmm. worse as well. Oh, yeah. Keep going. We Sorry. would joke about having to put rocks in our pockets <laughs> and, like, hold on to trees so we wouldn't blow away. Nobody got balloons <laughs> on their birthday. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's dangerous. Like, for cross-country practice, we would... Um, always try to persuade the coach to please let us run into the wind so we can run back with it. Uh, So you had to be strategic. Yeah. So my mom was a licensed clinical social worker. Hmm. Um, So she worked with people with severe mental illness. 
And I didn't fully appreciate what she did until one of her clients um, bashed in her car windows. And then I was like, oh, now I understand. Severe mental illness is really important um, to get treatment for, Mm -hmm. um, or it can sometimes be unsafe. My father had a landscaping company, so he put in sprinkler systems and plants um, and trees. And um, so I got kind of that love of the land and hard work for my dad, but also really caring a lot about people from my mom. Hmm. And uh, on a more morbid note, my grandparents and great-grandparents were in um, the funeral home business. And some extended family members are still involved with funeral home business in Bozeman and in Billings. Creepy. So, yeah, totally (laughs) creepy. Uh, But... I mean, but we've spent a lot of time around people that have lost loved ones Mm. and death and dying. And, you know, every family has their own traumas, their own deaths, Mm -hmm. and including ours. Um, And so I I think I've always had an interest in trauma. Um, And Uh, so that's, uh, but I didn't want to be a counselor because that's what my mom does and I have to be different. Mm -hmm. So uh, initially... Um, I wanted to run cross country in college, so I went to Minnesota, and then I realized I miss the mountains. I miss knowing everyone and who, like, what town they're from, and who do they know from that town, and playing oh, yeah. that game. Yeah. And I would get lost because in Minnesota, all the hills are rolling, and it all looks the same in all directions, and you can't look to the mountains to get your bearings. And so I really decided then and there, Minnesota was not for me, mm-hmm. and I needed to get back to Montana. So I went to Carroll College um, while I was there. I ended up doing an internship at the legislature. Oh. Um, and I remember a moment like looking down in the house gallery and just seeing like the sea of bald men and <laughs> thinking like, well, there aren't very many women down there and there aren't very many young people. Oh, and yeah, so yeah. it was just a reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went to um, the University of Montana for graduate school um, and I ended up... Uh, getting into land use planning and reviewing subdivisions of land and dealing with conflict between landowners and developers and folks who care about farmland and folks who care about elk and there's all kinds of conflict in Missoula over land all the freaking time. We're going to have to get into this subject, but keep going. (laughs) so So the local government, both the city and the county, would get sued a lot. Um, And so I became interested in, okay, how could I maybe represent local governments to make better decisions and help resolve these conflicts? Mm -hmm. So I became a little bit interested in law. Um, I also ran for the legislature. So this is like at age 26. um, And was elected, and I ended up serving three terms in the House of Representatives. Wow, cool. Representing a college district that um, loved marijuana, (laughs) amongst (laughs) other things. It was sort of between the Bitterroot River and the Clark Fork River. That was sort of the, the district um, okay. in Missoula okay. County. So while I was in the legislature, I dealt a lot with lobbyists. And most of the lobbyists had law degrees. And they would say, well, my interpretation of the Constitution is blah, blah, blah. And I've done this case research, and it says blah, blah, blah. And I felt like it wasn't a fair fight. Like, I didn't know how to research that and look Mm -hmm. it up and see, is that really true? Is that what that case says? Is that really true? Is that, you know, the constitutional interpretation? Mm -hmm. So between the land use planning and the lobbyist, I decided I needed to go to law school. 
And I had lots of friends try to talk me out of it. They're like, don't go, don't go. It yeah, just, I still just want to, it, like, it right warps, now. <laughs> it warps your brain. Like, you just have all this student loan debt. But I couldn't, like, not go. Yeah. So I ended up going later in life, and I was considered one of the geriatrics because <laughs> I went at age 29, and there were a lot of 22-year-olds. Right. Okay. But it was good. I mean, we also had some folks in their 40s and 50s and some retired veterans in their, you know, 60s and a guy who just wanted to audit some classes for fun in his 80s. And so it was fun to be with the Jerry's for geriatric. <laughs> oh, cool. And so while I was there, I met my husband who was from Great Falls, um, Bill Levine. His parents also met in law school, Barb and Dan Levine. They live here. We're both now retired lawyers. And so I fell in love with Bill and I moved to Great Falls for a man, Bill, and, mm. um, and then a job. And it wasn't in land use planning. Um, it was um, basically representing injured workers at Fair Claim. Oh, okay. And so I used oh. to joke with people, I will help you get all of the inadequate benefits <laughs> that you might be entitled to under the work comp law. <laughs> oh, I like, see. it's not going to be a lot. It's not yep. going to make you old. I'll do the best I can. Um, with wage loss and medical benefits. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did car crash disputes and other types of insurance disputes. Mm. Um, yeah. And so um, it was good chugging along, being a working mom. Mm -hmm. um, my, my husband and I have two daughters, um, Kate and Grace. Kate just turned eight. Um, and Grace is five, and they're both strong-willed and ready to tell you how to run the world and how it should be, which is going to be great later in life. It's just temporarily challenging. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. Five and eight. They, they yeah. already know. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that yeah. is the super long answer to tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, like, well it's not complete, it's <laughs> not complete <laughs> yet. It's not complete yet because you didn't right. end a fair claim. No, there's more to it. Um, yeah, uh, but so wait, there's just, more. Let's just go. Okay. <laughs> See, this so. is the challenge when you ask a lawyer a question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, it's not a short answer. No problem. Do you we want can, us to have some easier questions before we move on? We can we can softball you some like great questions. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you have any questions about any of the word vomit that I've just said oh, so the, far, uh, what do you word what do you vomit? Okay, <laughs> you know. So when we were, we just got back from the um, BHA rendezvous that was held in Missoula, oh back, back country, country hunters and anglers, hunters and anglers, right? And you mentioned that you did um, land use disputes. Yes. And mm -hmm. so um, now I. I'm going to be trying to learn all I can about the public lands that are available to me. Um, what what were some of the interesting things, or were there any sort of interesting um, arguments that you that just stick out in your mind between um, the public land use and the private land owner, and and how did you negotiate that? Um, so more of what we were dealing with was uh, proposed subdivision development in wildlife habitat areas because those are the coolest places to live right mm -hmm. now. I want to build a house um, in that very special protected habitat place. Or yeah. Yeah. A, rip a riparian corridor next to a river. Mm -hmm. um, and so usually we would get comments from the biologists and fish, wildlife, and parks. And could we... Um, redesign the subdivision with the developer to kind of mitigate those impacts to oh. um, lessen um, like housing or infringement into the cool elk habitat. Right. Um, so that's kind of, um, I mean, sometimes there would be subdivisions that would be adjacent to state land or federal land or local land. Um, but most, I would say most of the public lands conflicts are um, kind of dealing with roads and access mm. uh, to get to certain places, or you might have 
um, public land that might be landlocked. So is there a way that mm-hmm. access could be negotiated? Or sometimes there's there are people that specialize in trying to do land exchanges. Like, hmm. hey, could we trade you this parcel for that one? Um, or conservation because, easements. Because that piece of state yep. land moves, is now accessible to the public and your private land will be over here where it's not accessible to the public and we don't have to worry about putting a road on your land to get to the public yeah and so those those are some of like the conservation negotiations but i wouldn't typically deal with those kinds of Mm -hmm. negotiations or conflicts Mm -hmm. i was dealing more with um folks who were maybe mad about a particular development in a particular place. Okay, so a group um, would find out that someone was trying to develop and they would bring right, a lawsuit. Because uh, public notice is required mm-hmm. by local governments. Like, hey, this project is happening. Um, so comments are due by such and such date. Then mm-hmm. there's usually like a planning board hearing and then either a city commission or a county commission meeting where they take in all the information and either make a decision or postpone it to a later date. So I would work with the gov- the governing body, the local government, either city or county, um, the developer uh, who is sponsoring the project, and then mm-hmm. sometimes adjacent neighbors or others that were interested parties. So, wow. yeah, so I realized that some of the laws were very antiquated or frustrating, difficult mm-hmm. to implement, kind of burdes- burdensome, mm-hmm. like, hey, could we do this in a better way mm-hmm. to make it easier mm-hmm. on everyone? <laughs> and so sometimes it was a very frustrating process for all involved. But I did experience through that process that the steam valve of local governments uh, and having a place to bring your complaints mm-hmm. is actually really healthy for democracies. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a way to say, hey, I like this, but I don't like that, and to have someone to tell is actually really good for people to let off steam so it doesn't build up to an unsafe level. There are other places in the world where they don't have multiple um, places for you to take your frustration. Mm -hmm. So I would say that is one thing that is really good about our local system at the local level for people to be able to have that opportunity to give public comment and that it's very important for for people to be responsive to public comment for like a conflict resolution perspective. Essentially what we're told is like your vote is what can make a difference but honestly like we really think our vote can't especially on a national level Mm -hmm. coming from montana oh my gosh there there are so many ways you could make a difference like um carol bronson at neighborworks um she helped organize like community cleanup day Mm -hmm. and so there were hundreds of people all across the city that helped with cleanup um and she went and talked to all the different neighborhood councils about it and people organized teams um uh, the base was involved. They put forward a bunch of volunteers. They also had volunteers, including a lot of businesses, help lay sod for new homeowners. And mm-hmm. so it was a great way to show, yes, local people can make a difference and mm-hmm. do fun things that also might result in, you know, picking up some trash yeah. or laying some sod. Right, there you go. right, right. And and also, you know, maybe nationally our, our vote may not feel like it, it counts much, but locally our vote counts a ton, a ton. Yeah. Do you know on average on a uh, on non every four year, whatever those are called, how many people? I mean, just just off the top um, of your head. I 
I show don't up. have those numbers, but the elections office would okay. have that information, including on the turnout for the um, most recent school board election. I want to say it was like 30 to 40 percent of voters um, returned ballots. And we'll, and if it's a non-presidential year, mm-hmm. um, turnout generally um, uh, for local elections is just lower. Right. Um, and so... Um, it's hard to sometimes engage people like, hey, there's this election going and hey, you should care because it can impact your life in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think um, it's important for us to, one, I think it's important for people to put themselves forward and be candidates. Like if you don't like the direction of something, don't just complain about it, like step forward and mm-hmm. try to be involved in making it better. And so I've tried to do that and practice what I preach by continuing to try to answer that call of service and step forward mm-hmm. um, to be of service um, because there, <laughs> there are a lot of needs that our county has for sure. You know, speaking about um, answering the call, you know, I, I believe, um, isn't it true that you didn't even want to run or you didn't even want to get the... So what happened was, is Judge Pinsky resigned. There was an open spot. And so they were looking for other people to fill it for the interim before they could have another election. And your initial, um, your initial thought on that was, yeah, not for me. I'm just gonna, I'm yeah. just gonna continue being a lawyer and doing my thing. But then what that, happened? Um, so that is true. I initially, and my answer is common to a lot of women in comparison to men. A lot, no offense, but a lot of times, I'm offended. Men are like, <laughs> "Hey, I can run. I know enough. I can do it." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it Confidence. doesn't, it yeah, doesn't yeah. always take as much pushing or prodding. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to get men to uh, run for office okay. um, or to apply for appointments. Um, and so uh, even though I knew that, my thought was I'm a busy working mom. I was also a shareholder in um, in the law firm, so I'm helping run a small business. Mm-hmm. I've got kids. Um, and um, a, a ton of the work that I had done um, with nonprofits, <laughs> I know how much you love nonprofits, um, I, uh, Junior League and Kairos Youth Homes and the Zoning Board, um, those are some of the things that you have to give up when you become a judge. And I also recognize that being a judge can be kind mm. of isolating. Yeah. There are then a bunch of people that you can't really talk to. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and sometimes judges get death threats. So mm-hmm. that was also a concern. Sometimes that. there's protesters outside their homes because right. of a rumor right. that something's going to get overturned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, with all of those things, I had some hesitation. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just not sure it's a good time in my life. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not sure that this is going to work for my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, safety of your fa- just even yeah. just the safety of your family. Yeah. Um, but I also know it, it's it's a lot of work and that we don't have enough judges in Cascade County. Hmm. Um, we have a district court that handles 6,000 cases um, per year. And so that with four judges is 1,200 cases per judge. And some of those cases, like you mentioned, um, are really complicated mm-hmm. and difficult cases involving um, parenting plans, dissolutions, termination of parental rights, criminal felony cases, homicides, um, family ranch disputes, uh, complicated land use planning issues, um, and insurance conflicts. And so um, there's also a part where you would kind of mention, oh, am I you know, smart enough to cover it all? 
Um, but then I had some friends be like, well, that's why you don't have a lot of women judges. Well, that's why you don't have, um, you know, younger moms as judges. And you often encourage people to consider stepping forward. Um, we think you should step forward. <laughs> so, I, and so they use your own words yeah, against you. Dang it. Yeah, pretty much. Mm, I and see what so, they did there. Um, and so then I was like, okay, well, I probably won't get it. But what the heck? We'll go ahead and... And we'll, we'll throw our hat in the ring and see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I decided, you know, I've got this experience from the legislature. I've been exposed to a lot of different areas of law. I've, you know, I've dealt with um, business and labor disputes from being on the business and labor committee and from the type of law that I had practiced. It involved a lot of um, uh, um, different insurance disputes. So I had a good handle on that piece of the code. I had been an intern for Missoula County um, prosecuting um, uh, mostly DUIs, um, misdemeanor assaults, that kind of thing. So I had some exposure to criminal law. Um, and then um, I had done pro bono family law. Um, every lawyer that's not a burned out government lawyer has to do 50 hours of pro bono work for people who cannot afford an attorney. Mm -hmm. So right. I had done some of those cases on complicated parenting plans and dissolutions and orders of protection. And so I felt like, you know, there's enough where I can, um, I've got some exposure um, to areas of law and I've got other, you know, folks like my mother and father-in-law, um, they are retired attorneys. She specialized in family law. He specialized in property law. My husband's a lawyer. And so I, I knew that I could probably figure this out mm -hmm. um, with the help of other smart people. Um, and you get a law clerk that does legal research um, for the mm -hmm. judge. So like, okay, what the heck? We'll, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, so I applied. I then got all competitive about it and wanted to have the most um, letters of recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, and I gathered letters from all, all across the county and all across the state and had like over 200 letters of support. Um, and that was the most. <laughs> so, um, so then uh, um, me and um, two other gentlemen were forwarded to the governor. Um, that was Dave Grubich and Matt Robertson. Um, Dave Grubich is now the current judge who replaced me. Matt Robertson is um, another prosecutor that I work with for the okay. Cascade County Attorney's Office. So mm -hmm. our names were forwarded to Governor Bullock. Um, he, oh, that was after going through the Judicial Nomination Commission process. The, which, judicial, which is? the judicial Nomination Commission um, was set up right after the 1972 Constitution. So mm -hmm. I think like in the 1973 legislature. And that commission was made up of, I think, um, three lawyers that were picked by the Supreme Court and then like four um, lay people picked by the governor. So, and all across the state. Um, I think uh, two from Eastern Montana, two from Western Montana. Um, and then a judge um, who chaired, he chaired the commission and the judge was um, Judge Brown out of Gallatin County. And so the commission forwarded um, the three of us to Governor Bullock. He appointed me in November of 2020. Um, and so uh, then I, um, at the end of November, I started on the job. So mm -hmm. I had to um, basically sell my shares, um, wrap up my part of my law practice, mm -hmm. um, and learn how to be a judge and hit the ground running. And it, it's kind of like the Peace Corps. It's like one of like the hardest jobs you've done, but you kind of love it because there's so much learning. It's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a master's mm -hmm. degree because you are drinking out of a fire hose and all of this new information and new people mm -hmm. are flying at you. Did you, um, um, did you work with the Peace Corps? 
Um, no, but I had friends who did, and mm-hmm. they loved it oh, gotcha. in spite of how hard it was. Kind of like their slogan, the best yeah. job, the hardest job you'll ever love, or whatever they said. Anyway, Something sorry. like that. Mm-hmm. So it <clears throat> felt like, like kind of like that, like so rewarding and so mm-hmm. challenging yeah. all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the bulk of the work ends up being the criminal law cases and the youth in need of care cases, child Mm -hmm. abuse and neglect. Mm -hmm. Those take statutory priority. So a judge must do that first. And there's just so much of it flying at you. There are regularly um, attorneys, prosecutors, and law enforcement contacting you because they need search warrants. And Mm -hmm. so a judge has to review that for probable cause pursuant to um, the Montana and the U.S. Constitution Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that there's a likelihood that a crime has been committed here. or that a search warrant is is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would get up in the middle of the night and review the search warrants after a bloody domestic violence dispute um, so law enforcement could investigate what happened there mm-hmm. or for a drug deal that was about to go down. Um, and so it, it became a, 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 a drug deal. Uh, um, well, I was going to say, also if someone um, declines doing a breathalyzer, right? Uh, you, you need a warrant for that as if, well? If it is their... Um, a second DUI or subsequent, second, third, fourth, fifth, mm-hmm. um, then a, um, a law enforcement officer can ask a judge for a search warrant for the blood. Right. If it's the first DUI, then no. Okay. But okay. for a second or subsequent, yes. I went on a ride along. The female was clearly intoxicated. I'm not educated in this at all, right? But I was like, clearly and she's like i'm not gonna take one and he's like i have to get a warrant for it and i didn't know if right. he meant like the same kind of search a, warrant, a and warrant it was, yes it's really weird because when i think of search warrant i think of law and order and um yep. I wa- the show i watch is castle and when they get search warrants it's for like vehicles or homes or mm-hmm. a place of business so yes yeah. yes inside to those your two. body yes also um sometimes dna for uh uh, sexual intercourse without consent mm. um, uh, or like gathering the clothing, the bedding. So it just really depends on each type of situation. Wow. And, and huh. you're getting those calls after working, Correct. let's say at a minimum eight hours a day on, on all these cases, you go home, maybe interrupt yep. dinner so yep. that you can research uh, a, a warrant claim. Correct. Uh, I'm probably calling that the wrong thing or at midnight or at two a in the morning warrant. or wh- yep. whenever it comes. Correct. Wow. And, um, and, and so how many, ju- sorry, I know you said there's four judges in. But um, the justices of the peace and Judge Bolstad for the municipal um, area for mm-hmm. the city of Great Falls, they can also handle search warrants um, such as for misdemeanor DUIs. Okay, um, okay. But most of the time law enforcement will come to district court judges that handle um, all the felonies. Um, So district court has concurrent jurisdiction over felonies and associated misdemeanors. Um, The justices of the peace handle um, the misdemeanors that occur in the county, Mm -hmm. um, as well as small claims under 7,000, landlord-tenant issues, um, orders of protection, that kind of thing. Um, Judge Bolstad um, at municipal court handles city misdemeanors and city ordinance violations. And out of all of us, he has he had the most. I think it's like twelve thousand misdemeanors. So it's just such huge volumes mm-hmm. of traffic violations, misdemeanor assaults, DUIs, etc. Um, so wow, wow, yeah. And the justices of the peace, I think. They have 8,000 cases. Again, I'm not quite, I'm not 100% on that. Anyway, is it a busy time for everyone at every level? Yes. Is everyone in the criminal justice system overwhelmed, um, (coughs) overworked? Yes. 
the prosecutors, the public defenders, the judges, the probation officers, um, the detention officers, everyone's pretty tired, I mm. think, right now. It's a tough time um, because we're still dealing with the backlog from COVID. Um, so we're at least we're still trying to get the 2020 cases um, either to a criminal jury trial or to reach a plea agreement um, with a criminal defense attorney. Um, but in the meantime, we have 500 pending um, criminal cases that need to get resolved in one way or another. Hmm. And I think um, in the recent past, the Cascade County Attorney's Office has done more jury trials than even Yellowstone County, which has more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is which is Billings, Montana. Correct. That, yep. Just just for anybody outside Billings, of, yeah. the, you know, we've mentioned a few places. Carroll College is in Helena. U of M is in Missoula, and Yellowstone County is where <laughs> Billings is at. Good. All right. Now you now you got all those. Good, That's a map of Montana. Lesson. <laughs> anyway, so so I um, enjoyed the intensity of the job. I enjoyed um, the educational opportunity and learning, and I was also willing to do it and to work hard to do it mm-hmm. because you need someone who will go the extra mile because everything else that is not a criminal case or a youth in need of care case gets pushed to the back burner. So then you have um, parents that are waiting for an answer on a parenting plan um, or on a dissolution. You have um, folks with estates and probates that are waiting for resolution. Um, you have businesses that are in a contract dispute and they're not able to resolve it on their own. Sometimes they need an answer um, from the court right, or they're right. waiting for um, a civil jury trial. Mm-hmm. In Montana and under the U.S. Constitution, you have a right to a jury trial. The challenge is um, getting that on the calendar right. um, because of yeah. all of the other things ahead of it. Mm-hmm. So, so I felt that one of the things that I brought to the table is willing to work hard and willing to do extra um, to get there to try to get people timely answers um, so that they can have some closure one way or the other. And then if they don't like the decision, that's okay. At least they got a decision and then they can go and appeal it. Because each person's case is the most important case to them. Right, and right. so a judge needs to do what they can to get to each case right. as quickly as they can. To, because justice delayed is justice denied. And so we have a lot of delays there. So I, I uh, when I um, stopped working with Childbridge, I applied for unemployment. And with that, um, the, the, the claim wasn't going through. And it, it took forever. And so I, I called the number, and it's not working. So I go to job services here in town. And I told this whole story on a previous podcast. But um, I had to call, I think, 112 times until it finally went through, and it went to an automated thing. And then I was on hold for 20 minutes. And then mm-hmm. finally got a hold of somebody, and they're like, oh, I can see that it's at this other person's desk. But I'm like, okay, can I talk to them? And they're like, no, you can't. You know, so there's all this, like... And, and I talked to Joe right after all this happened, and I said, dude, we just need to hire more people, right? We mm-hmm. just need, mm-hmm. if there was more people there, they could answer the phone when people call, and this problem would be solved. So I feel it's a very simple solution. Why can't we have more judges? Um, so the uh, county courthouse is owned by the county. So in order to have more judges, you need a place for them to go. They need to have an office for the judge, the court reporter, the law clerk, and the judicial assistant. So the state of Montana um, and the, the, the legislature and executive branch have to approve 
adding an additional judge plus that staff and funding it because the state of Montana pays for the people. Mm. But then you also need the county commission to decide that they want to create the space available. And then where would it go? Mm -hmm. Um, And with any kind of additional space, there is a cost. And so it would be up to the commission. And I, it's my understanding they're not willing to um, front that cost at this time. Tax, taxes would go up. That's the short answer. Right. And so, people don't want that. Okay, so this <laughs> brought up a whole other thing in my head is like I know um, I've been to the, there's like a, what is referred to as the new courthouse on the other side of the river. Ah, the federal courthouse. I okay. didn't even talk about the feds. Well, well and so and so, so I get confused. I'm like, we have a whole right. new building we just put up. Like, put some judges in there. Let's do okay. this thing. You know? So um, <laughs> that is where um, the federal courthouse is. And so the federal courthouse has jurisdiction over um, federal um, statutory cases. Um, and so they have federal jurisdiction. Most of the cases in our um, federal district court are crimes that occur on the reservations. And so there's jurisdiction under the the United States Major Crimes Act. Mm, Um, So the federal crimes include um, uh, guns, like felons in possession of a firearm, drug conspiracies, like dealing high quantities of drugs, um, uh, certain types of child porn, um, and fraud. Um, so those are some of the major uh, major crimes and um, severe crimes that occur on reservations. They also handle uh, civil disputes um, where there's diversity of jurisdiction where you have one party that is from Montana and another party from a different state and the value of damages exceeds 75,000, then there's diversity jurisdiction. Um, and then there can also be other types of um, federal um, civil cases like a federal tort claim where um, perhaps someone on the base got involved in a car crash and you you know need to sue um, the United States Air Force, that's a federal tort claim. Or there's a dispute with the um, BLM or the Forest Service. Um, so the federal court would have jurisdiction gotcha. over those types okay. of cases. And has, so the, that's the federal judge um, in Great Falls um, for this district is um, Judge Brian Morris, and then there's also Magistrate um, Johnston, and then they also have um, additional staff. Mm-hmm. And then there are federal prosecutors and federal public defenders and also people that are on the um, CJA panel that um, handle criminal defense for people that might be conflicted out, for attorneys that are conflicted out from the federal public defenders. So that's its own. Yeah, I was gonna say because I've only special. I've only been there once, and it was because I, I got a summons for jury, jury duty. duty, and <clears throat> as a pastor, you don't often get picked, and so I just make sure I say a lot like I'm a pastor, <laughs> I, I love my country, I say some stuff like that, and I, I wasn't picked, but um, that was the only time I was in there, and then there's been a few times I've mistakenly gone there having to go to court for something because they called it the new courthouse. That's what, it, that, you know, that's what people called it around town. And mm-hmm. so I just was like, oh, it's pretty, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, yeah. that's as much as I knew. Right. Okay. And so, so that, that helps separate in my head. I feel like yes. I've gained some great knowledge right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Federal mm-hmm. other side of the river, um, our state district court and justices of the peace are um, in the county courthouse with the big dome. Mm-hmm. And then Judge Bolstad is um, in the Mansfield um uh, center. Oh, okay. I yeah. wasn't even so, aware of that one. Okay, yeah. cool. 
so that is kind of your overview of jurisdiction. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's cool. Uh, that's that's a benefit to having someone that's like, I mean, yeah. you have to be in the know. And so, this all sounds to me so. You you loved being a judge because e- even though there's a lot of work, it's uh, rewarding work. Yes. And you also felt, and I've, I've felt this before as well. I, I've told people, uh, it's kind of a side story, but I've told people like I'm not um, sadistic. I'm not like um, wanting people to get injured, but I have so much from the military that like if a car crash happened in front of me, like I'm a good person to have like witness that and go help. Yeah. And so I used to say, like, you know, I, I hope I'm the first on the scene, not because I enjoy it, but because like because you can help. I know I can help, and I'm I'm calm in those kind of situations. Uh, my heart doesn't like go because I've I've been shot at. I'm not getting shot at at this point, so I can definitely help that person, yeah. right? Um, and so kind of relating that to to what you you're saying is like it may not be like this super fun job, and you're not hoping that everybody just has problems and needs to go to court for it. But if they do. Yeah. You feel like you're just equipped. You're, you're I made am. For, okay. Because uh, from my family history and background, mm-hmm. I've dealt with a lot of people with trauma, and a ton of the people that are bringing their problems to the court have trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, our foster care children have trauma. <laughs> our juvenile, our yep. youth court kids have trauma. Um, and many of our youth court um, children, unfortunately, become, not all, but some become our adult offenders, Mm -hmm. and some of our adult defendants are also our crime victims. And so it's a place where you see trauma in action, and it's a touch point where you can use a case in the criminal justice system to get at root causes um, uh, by addressing chemical dependency and mental health, which are involved in most cases. Uh, And so it's a place where you can require um, anger management, chemical dependency, and mental health and get at root causes. And that's super rewarding um, to see um, people get that help, including in the adult drug treatment court and in veterans treatment court. Mm -hmm. And I staffed as a prosecutor member of the team, veterans treatment court. I had to give it up because of caseload issues because my caseload became too heavy. Um, But I still staff um, it on occasion when others are not available. And then I staff the adult drug treatment court. And we just really, we get to see the good things of people getting their life back on track and tackling Mm -hmm. some of that trauma and those heavy issues Mm -hmm. um, and the substance use disorder um, and uh, the, between the urine analysis testing and all of the appointments and all of the hoop jumping, um, they, um, learn the tools and the skills to be successful members of society again. And that's mm-hmm. super awesome to see. Um, and so if I can make a difference in the lives of others, that is really rewarding to me, especially children. If I can help protect children and help keep them safe as a mama bear, I just want to <laughs> do that. Right. Um, and I, I feel like that's a great opportunity to both help prevent future trauma, but then also work to treat the trauma that's already occurred um, because it's so prevalent in the criminal justice system. And we can also try to work on better understanding it to bring trauma-informed approaches to the court, to have the the sensitivity that there are some people that um, clapping makes them feel like um, bad things are going to happen. So just trying to be sensitive to each person um, and what they need in the situation. Uh, yeah, um, understanding triggers. And understanding so all, triggers all, all and trauma the, all, triggers. I was yep. going to say, all the things that you're mentioning, it's mm-hmm. all we train families on, not all, 
but in in with childbirth that was our main yes. goal is you have to understand trauma and and, and a little our, bit of my our research judges need to understand trauma too right because mm-hmm. in you know in a little bit of the research i did kind of on the the background of things was uh, looking into aces and people having these At aces first scores. childhood experiences and the guy that developed that he wasn't even trying to develop aces he was trying to do some other i can't remember what it was but he was just doing a survey and he asked, what was, what was the first age you remember having intercourse? And he started seeing these people that were overweight also answering way younger than you want them to answer. And so he made this connection that maybe obesity has something to do with this trauma that happened. And it all developed into this ACEs score now where you can take this five-minute quiz and figure out what your ACEs score is and then realize that it might have to do with your health issues. It might have to do yes. with how you handle trauma, uh, current trauma because of past trauma. We're now, we're now seeing that trauma even happens, uh, can, can happen in the womb just from the mother's heart rate and endorphins and different things that get released, noises that you hear, being scared inside yeah. the womb before you come out. There's all these things. And so to hear uh, a judge being, when you said trauma-informed, I almost melted out of my seat. I was like, trauma-informed was like a, it was like a niche word for us, you know, when we were we were working with, with foster care and working with children. And yeah. to know, like, how much just even a month of trauma can affect someone for the rest of their life. One incident of trauma can they, affect someone for the rest of their that. life. And, and so if we can um, bring to the table, smart awareness Mm -hmm. of how to do trauma prevention, but also trauma treatment and a trauma-informed approach, I think we could be light years ahead um, and getting at root causes. And so that is something that really motivates me. I'm hungry for more knowledge to better understand trauma because it's all around us in the criminal justice system, including in our first responders. <laughs> They're getting yeah. traumatized with the cases, mm-hmm. um, and, and so are we. Um, we're getting some of the secondary trauma and the paint splatter from um, working with the crime victims, um, trying to prepare them for trial, trying to prepare a child sex abuse victim for trial. It's, it's so hard. It just shreds you. Um, right and mm-hmm. and like we'll we'll separate. I, I'm not a fan of talking about bad things that have happened to children. Um, no, <laughs> so we'll just say I, we'll just say you know something bad that bad happened. Things, in, yeah. uh, an IED went off while I was in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Later, I had to clean up that vehicle. If I told you the story of cleaning that vehicle, it would give. It, so just to inform everybody, kind of what secondary mm-hmm. trauma is. Yeah. Even, it, Things can be so traumatic that hearing the story mm-hmm. of the trauma somebody went through can then also have a reaction to you and your life, especially mm-hmm. if you're a judge or a first responder, and maybe not always responding, but hearing the stories of your coworkers. This stuff starts yeah. to really add up. Or, or a, a counselor or a therapist, they, they deal with secondhand trauma quite a bit as well yeah. because they're hearing all of these stories of, of things coming out. And yeah, it's uh, if, if you continue... What do, what do they say? Um, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. That's uh, insanity. Is that yeah. what they say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so like putting someone in jail is not always the answer or just finding them this is not always the answer. And to think outside the box because our judicial system is spo- for it's supposed to be for recovery. Otherwise, we just have like um, the death sentence for everyone because it's no hope for you. That well, is our, true. our judicial system um, shows that we have hope that people can heal, people can recover, and people can rejoin society. And if we keep doing the same things over and over and we expect different results, it's not going to happen. I, I, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I love what I'm It's hearing. interesting that you talk about that because I did the, um, the Chamber of Commerce has uh, breakfast um, where they bring businesses together for networking. And so mm-hmm. I went this morning and I talked to um, Thomas Risberg from Alliance for Youth and Sober Life. Hold on. That's who he heard me being interviewed by when him and I met. Oh, Just no so way. you know. Yeah. So there's, okay. there's a connection cool. right well, there. Um, and so uh, we were talking about um, uh, making recovery fun and positive, and that's one of the things that they do really well mm-hmm. because there's so much in the criminal justice system that is so um, negative and not positive um, that it's it's really heartwarming, especially with all the bad things that we see, like the strangulations and the stabbing and the blood, um, to see people doing good things that are positive um, and rewarding and fun and um, and to see some of our drug court participants um, succeed with their sobriety um, and to have fun without um, drugs and alcohol, um, it's really making a positive difference both for um, our struggling teens in our community but also adults and families. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yay for the good people doing good things because mm-hmm. sometimes my heart really needs that after oh, some yeah. of the, the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so... But as a judge, I felt like I can do my part for both community safety, uh, but also for each individual person. Um, And so that's where I felt like I care enough. And I have both that uh, compassion, but also the don't you hurt the children um, perspective. <laughs> right, yeah. right. right. So. You have compassion for everybody that comes through because yes. you've already said it, that, that each one's humans, even though there's a case yes. number associated, they're not just a number. Each person right. is a human. But there is a I line. will be a mama bear <laughs> if um, if someone's going to hurt a child. Okay. I, wanted, I, I will do my part to try to keep our kids safe. That's, yeah. as a mom, where my well, heart is. And looking on your website, it's like one of your main values. Yes. One of your one of your main values. That, Where is it? That at? is my why. It's community safety for mm-hmm. sure, and then also um, by keeping kids safe, we help reduce the trauma. Mm. By reducing trauma, preventing trauma, we can help reduce um, the need for um, chemical dependency because your biggest gateway drug. It's trauma. Mm-hmm. So where we can make the biggest difference in stopping the cycle of violence um, is um, with children. Mm. That, As you were talking about, that biggest part of brain development is ages zero to five. Yep. And so that's just such a critical time. Yeah, mm. yeah. We, so. we grow more mentally from zero to five than the yes. rest of our life combined. Yep. And and so when you have trauma in that moment, we, we used yep. to, t- and I'm not trying to go down a whole sidetrack, but you've hit a button with me is, you know, yep. when we're, we're meant to, the way we, however you want to say, designed, created, evolved, we, we're, we're supposed to have a mom hold mm. us. Nursing is yes. a very close contact thing. Um, being cared for. When you cry, there's supposed to be a response from, from the people that care and offer you security and you're supposed to feel safe. And if you don't, that messes up everything else. Learning how to walk, learning how to talk, learning how to communicate, learning how to laugh, learning how to cry. It all gets messed up if, if crying doesn't work. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, very important. And yeah, yeah. I, I want to lighten the mood just a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah, that's totally fine. Okay. So, you are um, currently a, a lawyer in Montana, yes. what aside from really enjoying um, bringing justice and, and helping people, what do you do when you're not <laughs> doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, 
I worked in Yellowstone Park in the summers. And so I love Yellowstone and hiking. Um, And so that is one of my favorite places um, in the world. And so my husband worked in Glacier Park in the summers. And so we have a very strong (laughs) Glacier Yellowstone rivalry. Like he's like Glacier is best because it's so beautiful and it has all these awesome mountains to climb and all these beautiful hiking trails and waterfalls. And I'm like, Yellowstone is the best because it has the most thermal features in the world and it has (laughs) boiling mud um, and it has the most wildlife um, in the lower 48. Um, and you can, it's like the furthest place from roads when you consider the park plus all of the surrounding national forests. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you truly want to be in a wild place in the middle of nowhere, you can do that um, in parts of Yellowstone. Um, but I, not in Glacier. No. <laughs> you can't, like, not in Glacier. <laughs> and so we love sharing the natural world with our kids. And when I'm not um, prosecuting parenting or campaigning, my um, way to de-stress is to daydream about, like, where are we going to go camping next? And I also love um, researching all of the different um, camper vans and truck campers mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> like, RVs um, and tow behinds to figure out, like, okay, could you take this one on the Going to the Sun Highway? Could you take this one on the Beartooth Pass? Like, um, how are you going to be able to park that um, at some of those trailheads? Like, does it have the right clearance? And so I'm still in research mode, oh, um, but I'm not cool. going to lie. Like, um, my husband's like, why, why don't we just convert the minivan? And apparently you can buy these things called like nest boxes that um, have like the folding air mattress. And then it has a pullout sink or a pullout stove. Uh, and with my kids and fire, I just don't think that is <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. Uh, they would really, their favorite part about camping is s'mores. So anyway, um, my understanding is we're probably going to have a terrible fire season, and so we need to front load this and do a lot of camping in the month of June. Yeah, June um, June needs to be a high. It doesn't matter month. if it's cold and wet, but it would be better. I mean, we've had some camping where it like was a torrential downpour of rain and everything got soaked, and I don't really like hypothermia. So <laughs> that's all. and having spent a time around grizzly bears, I would really like a hard sided unit because when I worked for the Park Service, there would be times certain campgrounds would be closed to hard. Uh, or two uh, tent camps because <laughs> there was a juvenile grizzly bear who liked to pounce on tents. Mm. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So. And Joe, grizzlies pouncing on tents is not good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know that, but I'm yeah. just going to state it, okay. state the obvious yeah. right now. Right. So yeah. okay, I can avoid that. For all those reasons, I think a hard-sided unit would be good, both for grizzly bear country and for rain. Mm-hmm. And then you can do more camping all year round if you've got like the four season kind mm-hmm. then you can do winter camping um and i think the parks are actually best in the shoulder seasons like before memorial day or like after labor day it's mm. now just so crowded yeah. um, in between so mm-hmm. yeah so any of you this is this is uh this is an insider tip for any of you listening outside of montana or even inside and you may not um, get out what we just got here was like a, a special guide tip. Yeah. Come before Memorial Day or after Labor Day. Yep. Perfect. Perfect timing. But if you come in between those, 
you're not like you can't get into a normal RV park like anywhere. Yeah. There will be campgrounds are going to be no like room at just the end. packed. Yeah, no room in the parking lots. Yep. really long lines for bathrooms, restaurants, and there probably will not be lodging available, or yeah. or it's going to be hard to find. Really hard to find. You and, have and to plan like a year in advance. Yeah, yeah, you you definitely, especially if you're I, going to like I should a key say area like some that. of the um, surrounding <laughs> communities like Livingston or Gardner or Cook City um, or Cody might have um, some available but even that and the rv um the airbnbs have really exploded yep yep so Air, airbnbs you are could just off. do a whole show on that yeah. <laughs> like, like in cool. gardner they don't have workforce housing anymore because it's all airbnb so they have no place for workers to live so it's really created a housing challenge oh wow yeah. i didn't know we yes that would be a fun little adventure yeah. to go down that was yeah. one of the main things we, we, and then we you came can, across in then nonprofit you can work. Play, but also work. You mm, know. Yeah. Anyway. So, but yeah, I um, we love playing outside. That if we can just get more time, like outside, I think that would be so awesome. But my husband recently sent me an article, and it was called like "Van Life Sucks." <laughs> Tried like right on my parade. Well, yeah, because it's not as awesome as you think it is. And I was like, yeah, no, it still is. Even if it isn't awesome, it's still awesome. All those people <laughs> writing terrible. those articles live in their van all year long it's not yeah. like what they use to camp and you all you see on instagram is how much these people love their converted vans or school buses right? or anything else mm -hmm. and so it is hard to realize but living in one year round would be very difficult it would and you, then you have to think about like how are you going to um you know camp in walmart parking lots on your way across you know the country to get mm -hmm. to your favorite national park and yeah which yeah. I think Walmart just has a blanket over all their stores, so that's actually legal. Yeah, just for yeah. you just park to, there. to park there and because they don't mind the business, you're going right. to go in and buy hot dogs and s'mores material Absolutely. and propane yep. or whatever else you need, toilet paper, you know, all that stuff. And so they don't mind having the campers out there. Yeah. Right. Van vacation, good. Van life, yeah, maybe not so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, van, well, van vacation. The good, good news is, um, as my husband pointed out to me, you can rent them on websites called Outdoorsy and you don't actually have to buy because there are a lot of... Airbnb for vans. Exactly. Okay. And for RVs and for trailers yeah. um, because a lot of times they sit in storage, yep. which is true. And so, so size, cost, money, time, not a factor. We remove all those, which are real factors. So it's yeah. a silly question. It's a magic question. Yeah, yeah. it's the magic question. We got a magic <laughs> wand. Like which one would I get? Which one would you get? Okay, so my thought is for some of those really terrible roads um, with high clearance, mm -hmm. um, that like a Winnebago 4x4 Revel is going to have enough clearance then you can design it where it could sleep a family of four. Uh -huh. um, and the nice thing about um, the van is if um, you do have a situation um, involving wildlife. <laughs> okay, in Mammoth, we actually had um, a bull elk that attacked a car. <laughs> he got really pissed off at the car for some reason. And Whoa. so he took his antlers to it and did thousands of dollars of damage. So let's say hypothetically you had an elk that was really pissed at your vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, in a trailer, like how are you going to get from the trailer to the truck in time? In a van, you don't have to worry about that. Like You're you can just in. get up and go. Um, or like you, you need to wrap up and go quickly. Um, sometimes that's harder to do with a truck trailer or like a tow behind situation. And mm -hmm. so um, for me, always thinking about mm -hmm. like, you know, some of our criminal defendants that I wouldn't want to meet in the dark in certain places. It's just a place where it would be easier to, you know, 
to just go if you had right. to go quickly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So and, and looking, like looking, a, I googled this thing while you were talking about it. Yeah. The Winnebago four by four Revel. It costs like the price of a house, um, and so it's more yeah. expensive than my house. Yeah, it's like it's over a hundred thousand dollars. So, is that a realistic pipe dream? No, not but, so right, much. Right, right, but that's um, why the question is there because said, it's like, like if money was yeah, no object, yeah. no um, option. Yeah, it's yeah, time no. that RVers start trending, treating roads more like suggestions. The function fuel design, powered by the reli- reliability of a three-liter two-row diesel engine and the freedom of on-demand four-wheel drive, means going off-road is yeah. never off the table. Well, Ooh, that sounds good. Um, according to some of the the techies out there, um, some of the camper vans uh, are a little bit more advanced with the tech and with solar panels. So if you want to be able to operate um, uh, an electronic device like a toaster oven or your coffee maker, um, you can do that with the solar panels, whereas the truck campers are not as um, techy in that way. So they're a, a little bit fancier, but so much more out of reach for a working family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm going to uh, take my van. I have a Sienna, a Toyota Sienna, that, right? That's what we have, and I love it. You know, it, it does exist, a three- or four-inch lift kit. So you get a little yeah. lift kit, get some 33-inch yeah. little uh, off-road tires on there. Yeah. I mean, we got a V6 already, so the thing will move. It is, yes. So And it's already all-wheel drive. Yes. Plus, you could fit a futon in the back. Um and but then maybe something on top, like one of those enclosed yes. things that you could sleep in. And there are companies that will make kind of like the um, Volkswagen pop top yes. um, for your minivan. We can make this happen. There are companies that specialize in that. Oh, um, like 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 taking a saw to your roof. Yes. So yes. that you can make, oh, and so then, oh now we're and talking. And then yeah. it's kind of like that V shape mm-hmm. where it pops up and then it's like a tent, but it's a, like the top part of your van. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's where the big screen TV goes. Am I, am I on track? <laughs> I mean, no. you're sleeping up there, sure. <laughs> Which, I mean, and if it's jacked up, you're going to be, you know, it's going to depend on the size of your grizzly bear, but it's going to be I was going to say, it'd take a pretty big grizzly to get up there. Which and also it'd have to be, really big. they are, mm-hmm. they are. The, there's one that, um, was like a roadkill near Lincoln and was like, what, nine and a half, 10 feet, 11 feet. I can't even remember. It's, it's, if you go to Lincoln, Montana, it's in the fish, wildlife and parks office. Okay. Um, and it's, it's a it's huge a grizzly yes. and it would make you just seem kind of like a, a buffet up there. <laughs> oh yeah. But, but for normal grizzlies, the average ones that you hope not to run into, yep. you'd be fine because they'd be have good. to be pretty and motivated. You, you could do going to the sun and you could do the bear tooth highway. Um, you don't have to worry about length problems. Um, and my, my it's w- easier to boondock. My wife's yep. least, least favorite road is uh, the Beartooth. That's that's her that's her least favorite road. With um, all the curves. The, all the curves. We went there years ago with her um, brother and sister-in-law. Well, her sister and brother-in-law, you know, my in-laws. And uh, we were riding in this um, Yukon. I'm all the way in the back trying not to get car sick. And <clears throat> a small black bear came running out and it's like 10 30 11 o'clock at night it's dark and i just look out the window and this bear just runs into the vehicle as we're like, oh, it like out there it, it so like we didn't side, hit it it hit us <laughs> essentially like it was you. like trying to like ram us or something Whoa. Got um, but it was by a bear. right it was a little guy um and uh my my brother-in-law like starts slowing down the vehicle i'm like what are you doing and he's like well we just hit something i said i clearly saw it was a bear and it's now angry. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, please, let's not go check on it. He's like, oh, I really want to check on it. I'm like, what are you going to do? You don't have, are you going to care for it? You're not right. a veterinarian. Like, yeah. let's just call somebody. Let's let's not check on the bear. Good, good <laughs> I don't know who was right in that case. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was good. Yeah. I felt like I was right. 
we once had um, a person hit a buffalo in Yellowstone Park at night, and that's like hitting a black couch at mm. night because bison oh, are man. big. And it got up, and it walked off the road. So my grandpa told me a story. He was uh, in the sheriff's department in Gallatin County, and so they went down to Yellowstone Things. Yep. And he said he went to where a semi-truck hit a bison, and it cracked the engine block of the semi. The bison lived. Yeah. Whoa. So that's the animal you do not no, want to hit. No, you do not want to hit buffalo. <laughs> at, at, but at night, they're really hard to see. Oh, yeah, yeah. They blend right in. Yeah. Those things are camouflage. Gosh. Well, all right. So, Let, go ahead. Go ahead. So, if you see me riding around in a lifted up van, you know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's for, it's for <laughs> safety. With, yeah, with yeah, the pop top. Yep, yeah, with the pop top. <laughs> yeah. You know, Joe, maybe we just do some YouTube and we just uh, we make a, some content for our Patreons mm -hmm. of us I'm making you, the pop, pop there, top. There is a huge yeah. market for that. Like, I am not alone. Like, this is. Mm. Like, oh, it is. It's it a is huge market. Like, all of. The favorite um, camper vans and trailers and truck campers, they're all on like back order for like a mm -hmm. year or two. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and another thing we noticed also is uh, the shed making companies here in town. Like yep. they're all booked out for two or three years too because people yep. are buying little plots of land and they're putting those, not sheds, they're little log cabins yeah. so that they can go to their vacation property in Montana yep. before there's none left or something. I don't know what the worry is there, but yeah. 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 And, and I wah, we, wah. we had a guy... Just at this BHA rendezvous, we had a guy right next to us that had just a normal truck topper. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then if, I'm, I'm sure if with, in your research, you've heard of the decked system that people can get in their truck beds. And it essentially makes that first like foot and a half of your truck bed into a drawer system. Oh, nice. So he made his own. Okay. Uh, handmade, homemade, and then put like a, a pad on top of it, and then he he slept in his truck topper. Uh -huh. Ran lights from the battery. He did his own thing. Nice DIY. Yeah. Yep, do it yourself. And so yeah. I don't know. We're we're at an hour sixteen, a little later in the mm -hmm. evening. The only thing I'm curious of is if we want to know the like story. What, what happened? So so the story <laughs> the story is like you became a judge. Yes. And but now I, we see that you're running for judge. So what happened there? Oh, and I'd just like to point out, I busted my butt as a judge. I worked super hard. At yeah, least that's yeah. how I think we're seeing that. That's but yes. how I felt. <laughs> anyway, anecdotally, that's how it felt. Yeah. Um, so then I remember it was April 23rd, and I was in a youth in need of care hearing. It was a Friday. And that morning, um, it was a contested termination of parental rights. Um, and uh, we were hearing um, from lots of different witnesses um, uh, involved in the case, um, and we um, we didn't get through all the witnesses when I got news that I had not been confirmed by the Montana Senate. And I was like, oh, crap, I've now gone through this whole hearing, and there's no resolution for the, for the children or for the parent, um, and someone's going to have to redo this, and I'm no longer... So, like, like in, when you get that news, yeah, you're immediately, get, there's no, you like, can't finish out any cases or anything? Yeah, like, you're done. Okay. Like, you are okay. bounced. Like, you are Whoa. not confirmed. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, crap. There are all of these pending cases because each judge has, you know, about 1,200 cases. And so they're kind of, like, all of a sudden stuck in limbo mm. um, without a judge. And so it was like man, that not only does that suck for me and my family, because, like, there goes the paycheck, and, like, now are you going to be when you grow up? Yeah. Um, uh, that, but then there's, like, what's going to happen to all of these people with pending mm -hmm. matters? And mm -hmm. so I was just kind of like, oh, what the hell? And also kind of like, why? 
why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still don't fully understand the why. Like, mm-hmm. I can't really explain that to you. I think that part of it was I had been a former legislator, and that was as a Democrat from Missoula County um, mm-hmm. in uh, graduate school and in law school and as a land use planner. And so I get that there were some people that really hated that part of my background. Mm -hmm. But what bugged me is they wouldn't look at all of the support that I had at my confirmation hearing from the other judges in the district um, uh, who all wrote a letter of support and one testified by Zoom Mm -hmm. that I was working hard and doing a good job. I had letters of support from criminal defense attorneys and prosecutors, which often don't agree on much. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, hey, she's here, she's fair, she's working hard. Um, I had civil um, defense attorneys saying like, hey, yeah, we know she used to represent uh, injured people um, as the insurance side of things, we're okay with her. Um, I I had um, law enforcement saying, hey, she's there for us in the middle of the night for search warrants and arrest warrants. We know she'll wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I had um, the director of court-appointed special advocates, which often deal with youth and native care cases. Um, she testified in support. Um, I had a, a friend of ours from college um, who is a, a Lutheran pastor um, in Helena. She testified in support. And, um, and I get that there are a lot of people who maybe don't want to go on record to oppose a sitting judge, um, but there were no opponents. Mm-hmm. There was nobody there who opposed me. Um, but I, I learned later that there may have been um, a campaign behind the scenes to get rid of me to make way for another person. And mm-hmm. that other person was a former veteran and a cop, and that's <coughs> the existing person, um, David Grubich. Mm-hmm. And so, and so um, I was like, you know, the best way to handle that would just, if you didn't like me, have someone run because then there's no loss in continuity in cases. Yeah. Um, but when you bounce someone, it that whole process of picking a new judge takes a couple months because you have to have um, time to announce that there's a vacancy and public comment period mm-hmm. and uh, deliberation. Um, and so not only did they get rid of me, they also got rid of the process by how district court judges are selected. Um, and so they did away with the Judicial um, Nomination Commission, um, and they created a new law um, whereby the governor gets to pick um, a little committee in each community for each judicial district. Um, the governor can hand pick each person on that committee um, to uh, better get the particular people that the governor wants. Mm. Um, which the governor could have already done under the existing system because the governor got to appoint four people. Which is a majority um, vote. Which is a majority vote. Out of the seven that so were they, on there. So yeah. they didn't need mm-hmm. to do that. But um, so then um, they passed the new law, they got rid of me, and then they went through a new process under their mm-hmm. new system mm-hmm. of putting together these kind of ad hoc committees, ju- judicial nomination committees. Um, and so then um, Lieutenant Governor Juris helped, um, it's my understanding, she helped hand pick the committee for Cascade County. Um, and so on that committee, it was former Judge Pinsky, which I had replaced, because um, it was a Department A. So he used to, to oversee Department A. Then I oversaw Department A. So he is now picked to help pick his replacement. Um, uh, Sheriff Slaughter's wife, Christy Slaughter, who mm-hmm. is a former probation officer and on the... Um, uh, she now works for the um, the state of Montana Board of um, Pardons and Parole. Um, 
And so she was on there, a local prosecutor, Jennifer Quick, a local um, civil attorney, Ron Nelson, um, I think someone from the school district, Ruth Uecker, someone from Alliance for Youth. Um, I don't remember all of the people that were on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they, um, they didn't interview us, but we, we had to put together applications. We had to gather letters of support all over again, even though we'd just done that. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of the same people who applied, me and Grubich and a couple of others. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it was the same result as the, the prior process. It was me and Grubich. So we were both forwarded to Gianforte, um, except for this time, Gianforte picked Grubich. But it was my understanding that kind of the fix was in. Like, that's kind of who they wanted all along. Mm-hmm. And again, for reasons I don't fully understand. Um, I, like, I don't know the why. I just, I know that... Um, there um, were folks that had um, potentially other agendas behind the scenes, and I hope whatever those are someday that they come to light for transparency reasons for the public having the right to know. So, so what I can say is, like, a, like, I didn't even read the article that Joe read. Like, so I'm way out of the know. And so what I can say is when you're dealing with politics, and this is politics, what we're talking about, mm-hmm. There's more than likely other things going on. I mean, there's there's lobbyists, there's friends, there's, you know, right. I, I'm just thinking of the, the I don't want to say audacity, but the very hard task it would be for one person. I've been all over Montana. I've been here most of my life to then pick yeah. seven mm-hmm. people in every area. Like, you, I don't know seven people in every area. And so you're, you're then going to take somebody's word for who and what and... Mm-hmm. The, and, and again, I'm, I'm thinking all from the outside and just kind of throwing this out here, but like that person's going to pick their friends or who they think you might like, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. like if, if Joe, mm-hmm. you said, go find somebody in Glasgow because I live there. Yep. Go find seven people in Glasgow. Well, I'm going to find the people that I think you're going to like mm-hmm. who, you, who you would pick. Mm-hmm. That's not saying anything bad. That's right. just how politics work is like mm-hmm. yeah. you're gonna, I'm going to pick people who I think Joe would get along with and are going to be for his name or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's weird to hear, um, for me personally, it's weird to hear your care for children and then also know that there's this whole foundation that our, uh, that Jean Forte has that is a very large portion mm-hmm. of, of funding for many nonprofits that help children. Mm-hmm. Very right. large. Mm-hmm. And so th- those two things don't equate in my head. It doesn't say ah. this equals this, right? And so that's kind of weird. Um, Let's let's go. Let's separate ourselves for just a second, and let me ask you a question. I wanted to ask earlier, okay. and now now it actually mm-hmm. seems more pertinent. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, what is something? Because I just I just don't know. Aside from like blatant like lying or whatever, what is something that hurts a judge's career or or reputation? Uh, I would say um, committing a crime or having a DUI. And that the reason mm-hmm. I say that is because there are some folks that were upset about um, one of the current justices of the peace who has um, DUIs in his history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard that people have been upset about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the other thing that people are upset about, like if you had been um, guilty of a violent crime, that that might be something that could be disqualifying from a temperament perspective mm-hmm. yeah. um, for a judge. Um, but the, I think that the particular thing that some said they did not like about my background is I had been a partisan legislator in the past, which is true. Which, and, but and I did understand that the job of a legislator is to make laws. 
That is not the role of a judge. A judge takes the laws and the Constitution as they are, not as we want them to be, mm-hmm. and you apply them as they are. You don't get to stick words in there that are not there in the statute or the Constitution, and you don't get to remove words that you don't like. And so one of the things that Justice Scalia had said is that's what makes us a nation of men, and I mean, sorry, a nation of laws and not of men, to follow the law even when you might not like the outcome. That is what a judge is called to do. And I best understand that because now I've worked for all three branches of government. Mm -hmm. Um, After I got bounced from the bench, I landed at the county attorney's office, um, and as a prosecutor, I'm a part of the executive branch enforcing laws. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I get that it's not a judge's job to tell prosecutors or defense attorneys how to do their job. It's not a referee's job to micromanage the players on the field. It's a referee's job to make the calls. Right. Based on the rules that are set there, that's a rule violation. You apply the rule. The letter of the, you know, football, it's a huge when you're watching (laughs) NFL, right? That's what a judge is to be, a referee. Um, They are not the ones that make the law. They are not the ones that enforce the law. They're the ones that interpret the law. Judges um, interpret the law and apply it to the, to the facts of each case. And, and, and also, to be fair, as far as I know, every judge in our nation's history has been human. Yes. Okay, they've all been human. So <laughs> I'm not aware of the alien contingent. <laughs> or robot or, yeah. or, or yeah. anything like that. And so the only reason I'm saying that is like, then that means that most of them have probably voted meaning most of them are probably, air quotes here, partisan. They have their political views. Like they have their political views. Every single one. And everyone has biases. Right. But but can you set those aside and then follow the law as it is? You can. And, I mean, even Sandra Day O'Connor was a state senator before she was a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Our current justice, Jim Rice, who's on the ballot right now, he was a state senator before being a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Our current um, uh, district court judge in Cascade County, John Parker, he's a former state house representative prior to being a judge and um, while being a prosecutor. Um, same with Mike Manahan. He's a district court judge in Lewis and Clark County. So former legislators can be judges. It's not disqualifying. You know, there's another part I want to clarify. Um, so um, so that seems like that excuse you were given, like you were a legislator, if someone said that to you, that doesn't hold water. Uh, but I do want to clarify one part. Um, so it, it seems like the process for um, getting a new judge on the bench was changed in your case. So it ha- it's not done like that. So if they wanted someone new, they could have had an election like they're already doing and not Correct. and not thrown a huge monkey wrench Correct. into 1,200 cases where there's real people, real Al- kids. Already overloaded. Already yes. overloaded. They didn't have to do that. Right. But, but they did anyways, and they gave you... Well, the, the only mm-hmm. excuses that you have, which are either none or maybe someone didn't like that you were a legislature. Okay, I'm just trying to clarify that. Go on. Yeah, well, and so then what happened was um, the other overloaded judges have to take the cases. So the mm-hmm. other three district court judges have to pick up a heavier load on top of their already heavy load. Mm-hmm. And then they had to put out the ask to other judges around the state, please come help with these cases. So I believe there were at least eight judges, if not more, that had to come and help Department A with all of those cases. And all of those judges are paying for their gas, lodging, food, and meals with their own money? 
Um, that I believe that the um, judicial branch had to foot the bill um, for that's just the first the, thing the I budget think of. <laughs> um, for the um, the loss of a judge to mm-hmm. Department A, which keep in mind already had um, uh, a little bit of a um, an adjustment once um, former Judge Pinsky resigned. Mm-hmm. Um, his resignation was effective in October, so there was a retired uh, district court judge that came in and, and helped. So you had cases that had been touched by Pinsky, and then this retired judge, and then me, and now who knows who, which judge, and then, and so, then so then you're like on your fourth or fifth judge. And as you're trying to seek a justice. Party, and you're like, w- which judge am I going to have for my case? Mm-hmm. I've now had you know four or five different judges touch the case. If if I was um, to be elected and restored to the bench, most of the cases that I handled are still there. And as a prosecutor, I I don't work on Department A um, cases that were there when I was a judge. If I was a judge on that case or touched it in some way, I don't touch it as a prosecutor now. Right. Um, and um, any cases that I touched as a prosecutor, if I go back to the bench, I would you know be conflicted out of those. But there are a lot of the same cases that are still around. Um, and so there would not be much loss in um, uh, continuity or mm. connectivity mm. if I was restored. Mm-hmm. But again, all of that could have been, all that disruption that was damaging to our court could have been totally avoided mm-hmm. if the person that um, others wanted just ran. Yeah. Um, then And... With all of the money that person is putting into the race, with all of the billboards and giant yard signs, you'd have probably a pretty good chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it is challenging to both prosecute crimes, which is pretty intense and time-consuming, parent and campaign at the same time. Yeah. It's hard to do all of those things well. And I actually feel like being a prosecutor has been more time intense than being a judge. Wow. Um, and so that, that's that been eye-opening um, for me. I would say the silver lining, though, um, out of all of this. I mean, besides learning to grow from public rejection, which totally sucked, yeah, yeah. Um, and the growth that comes with that and learning how to be resilient, um, is I'm better understanding criminal law. And I'm I'm being a more intense player on the field from, you know, from the perspective of public safety and helping crime victims and enforcing laws I believe having that perspective of trying to put together a jury trial and prepare for trial and to prepare witnesses and prepare um, exhibits and to be prepared to deal with all of the objections from the other side and the rules of evidence on the fly, um, having um, played the game from the perspective of a prosecutor, um, that will help me be a better judge and mm-hmm. a better referee from um, being a player on the field in this way. Um, so now I have an even more diversified background because I have the civil law experience that we already talked about. And now I've got this criminal law experience. So I feel even more diversified and even more prepared to serve in that way. Um, should that be um, what happens? And if not, I'm still here. I'm still around. <laughs> I still care. I'm still going to do my part as a tough mama bear. I'm still going to want to do what I can to try to make our community better and safer, especially for kids. And so regardless of what happens, what I've loved about the process is I've gotten to learn so many new things and meet so many wonderful people doing good things. Mm. And that's actually been really awesome. 
And it's made me feel less attached to the outcome and hmm. more um, enjoying the process along along the way. Yeah, so <laughs> not, not, so, not so much looking at the destination, but enjoying the journey. Yes. Yeah. And that's so smart. The, the journey, like it's pushed me, which, you know, I've got a little bit of introvert um, side to myself. So I've, I've pushed myself to go to more things that I might not otherwise. Like I went to the YWCA salute for women Ooh. and it was so cool. They had so many awesome um, people doing awesome things. Um, I, you know, went to um, do the color run for the Dandelion Foundation, which oh, also cool. works to prevent child yeah, abuse. Yeah. And it was so fun getting hit with chalk dust full of color. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids loved it. And then you could throw chalk dust at each other. Like, we just had a blast. And so um, that part's been super fun. And so I feel like, okay, I hadn't been at, I'd been involved. And, in, like, I'm on the board of Toby's house. Like, I, you know, I'm helping... Um, do what I can there, uh, but to just be even more aware of all the cool things that are going on in our community, that's been really awesome to see. And, the, and so, in, including at some of those pesky nonprofits. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're not all bad. Well, yeah, yeah. They're they're, all they're, bad. They're, I, I hope that's not the picture you get. We're gonna have to like make a make an amendment or something. You know, why don't we make a list that, of the ones we like? Yeah, we'll make a list of like, the ones we like. That, we just know that there there can be a problem sometimes with nonprofits because people are making money and. It, yeah. It's supposed to be helping people. And you want the money the to go to the mission. Right. Yep. You want yeah. the money to go to the mission and people are involved. And so sometimes you get yeah. bad things that, that come in that. And, you get and people trying to profit off of that. Right. Don't they right. know it's in the name? Right. It's non-profit. Non-profit. <laughs> You're not supposed to profit off of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I was going to, just to clarify for anybody listening, like this all started because um, Judge Pinsky stepped down. Correct. Stepped down. Resigned from his elected... So we don't need to get into the why of any of that, but he, he stepped down and then someone needed to re be replaced. And so then just like, just like is going on right now, like a bunch of people, there was a point for public comment. Everybody yep. put their names in That's a whole right. bunch of letters of review. Mm -hmm. You then got selected by, mm -hmm. by the, the law at, at, at what was currently going on. This yep. is what, how someone gets appointed. Mm -hmm. You got appointed mm -hmm. and then you had to, you had to get confirmed. Correct. And so it, that's the thing. With, does does confirming a judge also happen after election? No. Um, whichever is closest to the time of your appointment is what you go through. So I had um, the lucky fortune of having a legislature in session right after I got appointed. So mm. hence, I go through a Senate confirmation. <clears throat> with the other guy, Grubich, um, there isn't a legislature in session um, until 2023. Uh. And so he faces the next election, which, which is, is? Um, so the primary is June 7th and the top to advance to the general, um, but it's just the two of us. So June 7th is a kind of a straw poll to see where we're at. Mm -hmm. um, and then the real decision will be made on November 8th. Um, that is the general election, November 8th of 2022. Okay, so yeah. so June 7th, you'd appreciate mm -hmm. the people that are going to vote for you in November yes. to come out. Um, and, and, and if I and say that, then um, I would also say that uh, my request for you to um, vote for me is um, paid for by Levine for Judge, P.O. Box 2568, Great Falls, Montana, 59403. Um, and the website is www.judgelevine.com. And it's a great website. 
It's a great <laughs> website. You can Thank go you. there. Very easy to find stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you can find and the mission and, and your lovely face on there. Um, and so and I'll just say, if, if you want to compare and contrast, the other guy, you can look at his Facebook. You can also look at my Facebook, Restore Judge Levine, or mm. his um, Retain Judge Grubich. And I think you can Google um, uh, Dave Grubich, and his will also pop up if people want to compare and contrast. Right, cool. which is what, what like, like, I don't think that we've, I don't think we've said anything bad about your who you're running against. No, like, I, don't I think, think he's too tall. <laughs> Is that okay. well? And 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 just like <laughs> just I didn't kidding. know anything no, about you, I don't know anything about him. So and we, we mostly talked just about the process itself, right? Yeah, and, and we, your experience. We did put a phone call to him to give offer him the same opportunity yep. because we think that's yeah. the fair way, right? I think mm-hmm. it is good to yeah. um, to give voters the information so that voters can make informed decisions. And if I didn't have someone on my personal mm-hmm. podcast. I wouldn't have this information. <laughs> and so I'm hoping yeah. that everybody like listens. I, like it's not something I seek out as just a average everyday citizen. I try to find yep. ways that I can help out that are good to me. And like, I wouldn't have even known about this if Joe hadn't read well, an article and, I, and somebody I mean, hadn't reached out. I think mm-hmm. this podcast mm-hmm. has been highly educational regarding um, different jurisdictions for different courts, uh, camper vans, right, <laughs> trauma, right. land use planning. Like we covered a lot of diverse areas. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's been very educational. And um, yeah, we appreciate your time coming out here. Uh, one more uh, silly question for you is if you are sitting at home and you have to um, go outside to like get the mail check the garbage, something like that. You're barefoot inside, and you've got to now go outside. Do you squish the heels down on your shoe, wear flip-flops, or just go barefoot? I squish the heels. Oh, yeah, you're I'm a, a heel, heel, heel squisher. Heel squisher. I'd have lost the boat there, Joe. <laughs> well, mm. uh, it depends though, because we have a front porch to the mailbox, so that you can go barefoot. The, okay. Um, okay. The garbage. Uh, can is in the alley, so you got to get across some gravel. Yeah. Um, and so. That's going to be at least sh- at least shoes, maybe squish heels if you're in a real hurry. But um, <laughs> if there's snow and you got to run down the hill, eh, you're going to have to put those shoes on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, as most lawyers would say, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Okay, so uh, you've heard a few of our episodes. You know that at the end, our, our new thing now is we, we bring our guest into our sign-off. And, oh. so, and so I'm going to say I've been Brian. Then you're going to say, I've been Michelle. There you go. <laughs> and then Joe's going to say, I've been Joe. And then all together, we're going to say, we'll see you next show. Okay. You got it? Got it. Okay. I've been Brian. I've been Michelle. I've been Joe. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next, next show. show. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs>